Hello there. I'd like to introduce Peter Buckingham from the Melbourne-based international consultancy Spectrum Analysis. He's joining us today for our teleconference session. It's a session that's invaluable information, actually, for literally anybody in business, whether you're in franchising, contemplating launching a business, or growing a franchise group. Um, Peter Buckingham is the managing director of Spectrum Analysis. He's got a, a well, very well-qualified background and is a certified management consultant as well as being one of the few privileged fellows of the Franchise Council of Australia. Um, the Spectrum Analysis was established in the mid-90s, and uh, this was following Peter's vast background of experience in the statistical data area. He had 20 years in the oil industry, um, various management levels, and specialised in strategic planning and network development, hence my invitation for him to join us today, for which I'm very grateful. He worked with Caltex Australia, uh, was manager in, in, uh, number, in three states, he was property manager, international experience with his oil companies as well, and he's produced information that's been used internationally by people like Caltex, Chevron and Texaco. Um, as well as managing the company, he's not one of those people who's just a figurehead, he actually participates in many projects and gets quite involved with the individual. So, just to give you a bit of an idea that Spectrum um, Analysis have tools that work with clients in, in many areas. They look at site selection, the sorts of tools you need to help that happen, territory planning, mapping, data and information, which is invaluable to anyone in business, understanding who your real customer is, and then local area marketing and generally helping people, I suppose, educate them. So hence today's title, How to Grow Your Franchise or Business Network, with strategic network planning. Um, well, Peter, welcome. Thank you very much for making your time available today. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for the opportunity. That's a pleasure. Well, I'll get right into it because I've got a couple of questions that people have asked me in recent times, and this is what sort of sponsored the idea of having it. So, um, what I'd like to do is just add, ask you perhaps to add to a little bit of your relevant experience in this area, so with, with the sorts of organisations you work with and how it applies today to the average business and literally any franchise. Okay, well look, as you uh, very broadly spoke my uh, background, it sounded fantastic. Uh, when you work for an oil company, it's a lot of long-term thinking goes in there. You don't just decide suddenly you're going to open or close five, ten service stations. You actually do have some planning and I guess oil companies are probably one of the leading worldwide groups that have always been about organising what they're going to do. I guess I've often led into frustration with a lot of franchising groups where you actually ask them where do they want to be in five or ten years' time from a property viewpoint and you hear nothing. They might already have 50 sites and you say, well, what's the mature market going to look like? Or, what do you expect you're going to do? And it just comes down to back the wet finger in the air and, you know, if we get opportunity, we'll take it. If we don't, we don't. <laughs> so I guess I've always pushed very much with a lot of our clients to be, what I'll say, is proactive rather than reactive. Mm. And there's some pretty simple numbers you can look at that, that give you an idea in this area. So, for example, if you decide you're going to be a mature business and have 100 sites across the five main capital cities, Quite simply, 100 sites in the five main capital cities should be about 35 or 36 across Sydney, Newcastle, Wollongong, 
be probably about 27 to 28 across Melbourne Geelong, probably about 18 across Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast. I think the numbers relate to about 11 at Perth and about 8 in Adelaide. And it's very unusual. It's quite funny to find a lot of companies how they're incredibly weighted or out of kilter to those sort of ratios. Those ratios are just based basically on your population numbers in our capital city. What we find is most companies that have, if they have a hundred sites in the five main capital cities and those areas I described, you probably have about another 30 in the country. Obviously your Townsville, your, we'll even call Canberra a big country town as much as <laughs> like to hear that, but we sort of make a break that, you know, Adelaide at about 1.2 million is what we'll call the smallest of the capital cities and then Canberra, Darwin, Hobart, to me they're just big country towns because Townsville and Cairns, for example, are bigger than both Darwin and uh, well, Darwin anyway. So what we're very much about is saying, have a plan to at least say, well, firstly, where do we want to put our efforts? If we've already got 40 sites in Sydney and we've only got five in Melbourne and five in Brisbane, then it's pretty obvious where we've got to be if we're going to try and be balanced across Australia. So then we... What we like to say with strategic network planning is let's actually work out what we're looking for and try and even identify, and we're not so arrogant to say you've got to take this certain corner, but if you could at least have a plan laid out across the main cities to say, well, at least think in terms of maybe a two-kilometre or three-kilometre radius, then you can start to say, well, here are the areas we should be looking at so that you get much more positive when you're talking to potential franchisees and actually sound like you know what you're doing rather than just uh, saying, oh, well, you know, if you've got the money and a heartbeat, we'll, uh, we'll appoint you. Where do you want to go? <laughs> so I guess that's the summary of where we start with what we call strategic network yeah. planning. Look, and you see so many examples out there of organisations, groups, franchise groups, but also corporates that have expanded without that real sort of strategic thinking. And those are the ones that get humbled really very very quickly in the piece because they get dragged down by these low-performing outlets and of course their their franchisees become disenchanted and it's the beginning of, of a lot of undercurrents um, and of course there's been, you know, this is not isolated to the average or typical smaller business or franchises, there's been some quite high-profile companies, um, particularly coming from overseas here, that have failed to hit the mark because they've got this wrong right from the start. Would you like to share any examples? Uh, um, if you can do that. Well, I, I, I can't say I know none of our clients have gone that way, but I will tell you about one very large burger chain we are involved with. Uh, sort of planning to come to Australia and you only need to see a bit of publicity to know how juniors have been talking about going with 300 sites in Australia. And I've got to say, we did the initial work with them, whether they achieved 300 in 5, 10 years, really up to their life, how they push it. But what's been able to be done is to really lay out where you would have those 300 in an ideal circumstance. And even to the point of saying, well, what would be the stage one, stage two and stage three? Like, which would be the first 50 or 100 you'd be trying to get in first? And then which would be the sort of second lot? And then where would the fill-ins come? Now, again, you can never, in property, it never works exactly how you first plan it. But at least if you've got a set of targets that say, well, if we're going to go into a certain area, these are the, the list of 
shopping strips or shopping areas or whatever we're going to go for for our first one, and you start achieving 50 or 70 percent of those, then it really becomes a, a properly laid out plan. And obviously when you go to sell franchises, in their case they sell master franchises, uh, they can then talk to the people and say, well, you know, we actually have some logic of what we're trying to achieve. So if, if, you're, if you're about to commence franchising, or maybe you've just got one or two outlets and realise you haven't got this right, then what's the basic approach to it from the point of view of looking at your business now to, to be able to extrapolate that across the country or, or even just regionally to begin with, Peter? Okay. Well, maybe I could just run through an example of one we've worked with, I'm sure they won't mind, but I don't need to exactly name them. Here in the uh, play centre, they put in uh, a type of play centre that might be a thousand square metres, and you come along and maybe husband or wife and child go along and mother has a coffee and uh, Johnny or Jane go and play at these play centres are then also for parties, for small kids for parties. Now, when they came to us, they had four in Melbourne and uh, no great plan. We've been able to work with them to have a strategic network plan done for, firstly, for Melbourne, so that they're now selling franchises, only wanting to do 12, I think, across Melbourne is my rough memory. But at least there's a logic where someone comes to them, they can say, well, these are the areas we want to go into. Their main thing is the number of nought to nine-year-old kids yeah. Yeah, square kilometres, so it's obviously a density red, but I have to keep there to start. And the good news for them was they then went up to the Brisbane uh, Expo, got us to do similar work, had the big a AO wall map on the wall and individual maps so that when people said, oh, look, I live in that area, what are you thinking? They could really talk positively. Yeah. Uh, and then gone to go to, they did the Sydney show in the same way, and uh, I don't think they'd mind me saying they've I'd like to go to New Zealand, but uh, having New Zealand having uh, lost the America's Cup today, it might not be a month or so. A few splashed risks, I suspect. Uh, but their work has been it's worked really well for them because they can then stand there with authority and say, "Look, there is some logic, and we actually have a plan on what we're going to do." And it just amazes me with a lot of clients, that a lot of people. And in their case, it's probably a million dollar commitment for somebody to come into one of these places, a 10 year lease and a pretty big fit out. And, uh, you know, when the franchisor is expecting people to put a million bucks of commitment into it over time, uh, you'd like to think there was more than just standing there with their saying, oh, I thought that was a good thing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really pertinent because I, I know I've seen, you know, seen comments in recent years about people like Starbucks who've, who've gone out and obviously either they didn't do their analysis in the first place properly or they didn't stick to the plan, I guess. So it is a matter of, of really having a plan and sticking to it. And, and this comes up with the items you're talking about there, you know, like in this example, naught to nine-year-olds and so on, is businesses actually understanding their market strategy and knowing who their customer is because... Of, I find in talking to people, so many people really don't have an accurate profile of who their customer is. So I guess for you, someone like that, it is, it's very hard to start giving them the information they want unless they can provide you with some of that. Yeah, well, look, in the uh, case I'm talking about, uh, it's very obvious not to nine-year-olds were the, the starting point. If you haven't got kids around, you're not going to be running kids' parties. 
So that's a pretty black and white one. Mm. But quite often we will also work with people. There's a unit in Australia called Social and Economic Index for Areas. And I joke with people that's like whether you live in the affluent or whether you live in the effluent. So every place in Australia has a score. And we, just by simply breaking that down into quintiles, you might say it's the top 20%, the next 20%, third, fourth and fifth. Now some groups like might say, well look, our market is uh, only the top 40%, the top two quintiles might be the banks doing home loans. So you can start saying, well where are the areas they're going to go best at? Similarly, the, I'll use the mortgage broker market. They might say, well our market is much more the third and fourth quintile, uh, or maybe second, third and fourth, because people are in the top quintile are probably uh, already private users of the Commonwealth Bank or one of the main banks. Maybe they say in the bottom quintile the people can't are a risk and aren't likely to buy a house they're renting. So you can start being able to say, well, which areas are best for what we're going to do and then actually look at doing some form of plan by saying, well, these are the best areas and we're going to put in 10 or 15 sites across Melbourne and let's at least for the, we'll know really where the top five should be, where the second lot should be, and even the third lot, which might be filling in spaces that aren't quite as good but are there purely on your population issue. So we are very much about having a strategic network plan for people and, and then actually suggesting they stick to it. And again, the other issue can be the number of times we deal with people, companies and staff changes on the way and different people come in with different ideas. Half the time they don't know what was done originally. The number of times I've sent very large companies like Telstra and KFC copies of things that were done 5, 10, 15 years ago. And the funny part is nothing's changed. <laughs> same old, same rules, same everything. You know, shopping centres haven't changed. They haven't got, you know, they're still what they want to be in. Good, good sites for KFCs and things are still good sites. Nothing's changed. Same with petrol stations. So really it's not something that actually dates all that much. Uh, you always know where there's new growth areas and sure you end up going there but eventually normally a business opening up really needs to start off in the core areas that they're going to sell well in and come up with a target number of sites they're planning. As I say, five, ten years out, that's really the term you should be thinking of strategic network planning. So it's often having maybe having um, having territories which aren't necessarily adjacent or where there's a there's a, an area of um, I, I suppose responsibility given but not not an exclusive territory so that as the name and the brand becomes more not well known so the gaps in between can be filled because then you've created a higher demand and I, I guess your your profile changes from the point of view of you're supported by a a smaller number of prospective clients. Yeah. Look, I'm the first one, and I know I did one of these sessions with you on territory planning some time back, and one of the philosophies I've always said is if you need, if you have a genuine business that's a service type business, then you probably have to give a territory. And a mm. territory is really all about allocation of lead, whether on one side of the road I give the lead to you and on the other side I take the lead to go and mow the lawn. When you're in bricks and mortar, I'm the first person to say don't actually give a territory. 
Now, if you've got to give something, do what you want to keep, call it what it is. If it's a preferred marketing area because that's where the person's going to drop flyers, inviting you to come and buy chicken from your chicken shop, then call it a PMA. If it's an exclusion zone, if it's saying, look, I as the franchisor are giving you a commitment, I won't put another site within three kilometres or five kilometres, then make it an exclusion zone. But the minute you call it a territory, it's like putting the Berlin Wall around the outside and barbed wire on top and expecting everybody to honour that line. And the truth is, when you're a bricks and mortar, you'll take any customer who's going to walk through your door. You're not going to tell someone to walk away. Sure. So I'm much more about saying don't use territory planning when you've got bricks and mortar facilities, but maybe you give them a PMA, a preferred marketing area, and that's sort of softening the edges down a bit that it's not an expectation that every person within that territory must come to your store. Sure. A PMA is just saying, well, let's, where do I drop my flyers in the letterboxes to try and attract more customers? So strategic network planning to us is more about where you put the site and again, not trying to be so arrogant to say it's got to be on that corner, it'd be ideal if we could, but to be able to say, well, look, within this sort of two-kilometre radius is really where you want that one. Then it might be six or eight kilometres away, and there might be another two-kilometre radius. So, for example, when we did the Carl Jr. work, uh, we did New Zealand first, uh, they'd come up with 60 sites for New Zealand, was the agreed formula, and the first thing we did was we plotted all the other fast food restaurants, because in their type of case, as a lot of QSRs, it's about being in the uh, being in the group, being where the other fast foodies are. Yeah. So in their case, it was sort of a matter of saying, okay, here's where the KFC, the McDonald's and something else is. You really should be within that two-kilometre range or hopefully right nearby because they're actually positive to your business. Hmm. So, you know, you might be looking at laying out where all the the generators, the other businesses that are friends to what you want to do are, and then put the two kilometre radiuses around there. So there's a logic of what you're trying to come up with. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? I, I know in talking to you in the past, you've uh, made some observations where a lot of companies fall down. They may, they may do their homework, but they end up delegating the responsibility of managing that growth to someone who's maybe recruiting franchisees, may even be an external broker. And, of course, their, their, their motivation is very different. Um, so they end up compromising by taking, as you alluded to early on, someone for an area that someone puts their hand up for, but they may not be an area that strategically they really should be moving into at that time. Well, it's very funny as you see franchises develop, and I respect that a new franchisor can be fairly keen to take anybody to get the thing on the way. And I guess when you get to mature franchises, like my days in Caltech, property was a completely separate part to actual franchisee selection or the day-to-day -day operation. Ah. work planning was a completely broken away area of where we wanted to put sites. We would naturally get marketing's input to say, yeah, well, we do agree we should have a site there. And then only when we would have the site, which might be a year, two years down the track, let's say three months from completion, you know, the tanks are in the ground and buildings going up, it's all happening, then would we go to marketing, right, time you go and find a franchisee. And I guess 
you see a lot of cases in franchising where the same person is responsible for finding the franchise and the site. And it becomes a bit of a chicken and an egg. And I must say that, the, like the McDonald's and the Caltexes, they are big enough to afford separate people, no doubt. But even some quite middle-of-the-range areas do really cloud that. And you talk to the what's called the business development manager in a lot of cases, not the network development manager, but they call them business development manager, and then you find out that literally 70% of their time is trying to find a franchisee, and the minute they get a live buy, suddenly they go looking for a site, and you know the franchisee says, I want to be in that area, and next thing they suddenly be put their property finding hat on their head, and they're racing around looking for a site. I like dealing much more with the personally with the companies who I respect more that say, well, okay, that's a bit of a separate issue. We will have certain person at least looking, thinking 100% strategy about where we're going to put sites. And then when they're at least coming up with somebody, they can, uh, they can then uh, go and actually find the person that they want to get it going or, or find the site they need. So, mm -hmm. no, I think it's very easy to, uh, and it's very easy to preach that but the reality is when you're a smaller company, you don't put on two separate people. But you get to a lot of bigger companies and they can break that apart, then it uh, really makes the strategic network planning a really important role. I guess that's like the growth of any business, you know. You start off wearing a number of hats um, yeah. and it's, it's almost, I, I just play a bit of a game from Edward de Bono, who was big on this hats business, and uh, li literally... Um, assume a different character, you say, okay, I'm wearing my red hat at the moment, I'm the network manager, I'm just purely looking at the strategic growth and sites. And then yeah. when, you, when you're talking to a prospective franchisee, it's the same. It's still you, but you put yeah. a different mindset in place because you've got a very different set of rules. So I guess having these rules and someone like yourself to put the, the, the blueprint there gives people the opportunity to actually have some discipline so that they do ticks and boxes rather than making emotional decisions. Well, again, it's absolutely how true. And we have a little uh, film clip that I think I've sent you, and I think our last thing is, uh, the last little comment on it is, it's like a school of fish and trying to get everybody swimming in the same direction. And the number of times uh, I come across, we might be talking to the property people of a group, and you'll find out some person likes being in shopping centres. Someone else wants to be out in shopping strips. Someone else wants to be in the CBD. And someone else might like freestanding sites. And they have a bit of a personal view. Mm -hmm. So they only go, they need to put more effort into what they like. Yeah. And I'll often say to people, especially at the higher level, the, the manager of that group might have four, four of those network development managers running around different places in the country. So really their role is to get agreement on what they want to do. And yeah. if the idea is we want to open 20 stores in the next 12 months and we want 10 of them to be in shopping centres and a couple in the CBD and seven have to be drive-through coffee shops or something like that, and they the coffee brands are heading into a bit of this drive-through, then have the plan agreed on rather than find somebody has a love of CBD and somebody has a love of shopping centres and they're not looking at the other part. That's so, it. Yeah, sorry. So strategic network plan is really... If it's doing nothing else, it's trying to get all the fish swimming in the same direction because even if what we put up at first isn't what people all agree with, at least it's going to bring it to the second or third phase to get agreement and get direction that is common amongst the, uh, amongst the company. 
I like that. I like your little uh, anic- analogy there of the, the school of fish, um, because it is uh, it is critically important. You mentioned there we've been talking about you know areas that, that qualify, and you you also make reference to imagining it as if you were in a helicopter looking from a height and just sort of visually seeing or imagining those sort of er- territories and so on. Because a lot of people fall for the fall for the, the trap of just saying, oh, we're going to give people two or three postcodes. And there's been some horrific cases in the past where people have just relied on a postcode and basic population um, without looking at the, 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 the real demographics of things. Well, the first thing I'll just make comment to there is there's roughly 2,591 postcodes in Australia. And they vary from... Some of the biggest ones are ones like down here in Melbourne, Reservoir, I think it has 17,000 or 18,000 households, down to some postcodes, still in metropolitan cities, are quite often 1 and 2,000 postcodes. Uh, Mosman Park over in Perth, I think one looks like that. You get 1,000 if that. And it's very easy to say, oh, I'll give a couple of postcodes, but yeah. it could be, I can make up three post, or two postcodes, Mount Waverley and Glen Waverley. I'll probably have the best part of... Uh, 25,000 households and 60,000 people and I can go and find other areas that I'll take 10 postcodes to make that same number. So that's the first thing is postcodes are incredibly uneven. Uh, the, the other thing in that is at least if you're doing some strategic network planning you're really starting to be able to say well which what is it about that postcode or we've just done a big job now where we've used suburbs because it's literally on average probably three or four suburbs in each postcode. So if people want more than about two or two hundred territories or preferred marketing areas, you tend to find you need to go down to suburb level. Mm. Uh, just so that the I liken it so the mosaics, the little mosaic bricks we're we're dealing with in making the picture are small enough so we can fit it into any shape. If we're using postcodes then it's like having a big brick and sometimes, you know, it's taking up two-thirds of the, the pattern I'm trying to make in one hit. So it's really a bit about trying to tailor it to the best fit what you're wanting to do. And getting back to the strategic network planning, uh, as much as territories or preferred marketing areas do come into play, uh, we're very much about trying to, using maybe a target market index approach to say, well, which areas are best for what we're trying to sell, and then over the top of that, come in with our actual two kilometre radius and say, well, that's where I put site numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, so that it's laid out properly over a, over a period and evenly. There's a lot of, lot of gold there from the point of view of those observations of yours. Now, tell me, I appreciate um, you, you naturally work for a lot of larger companies, but if, if we're t- talking about somebody just starting off the franchise group, are you able to provide levels of service to them that, you know, from their point of view, obviously they've got limited limited access to development funds and so on, but uh, yeah. can you give them... Well, that, okay, the answer to that is yes. And uh, uh, look, the little one I mentioned with the play centres only had four sites going. We're doing another one right now that is uh, doing uh, actual child-minding centres. I think they've got four also at the moment. But all I point out to people is every time you open a new site, as I said, you're committing a million bucks probably very quickly. Now, to go and spend a few grand to have this stuff sort of sorted out across your whole network, even if it's 10 grand or something, to have it all organised so that you've got a proper plan, 
It's really the cost of going into business. Now, I come across that many cases where people basically go in undercapitalized and have a few sob stories about it's really tough at the beginning. I understand that. I've done it myself. But at the end of the day, you've got to say, well, what is the investment that if you're planning to have a network or a business that's worth millions of dollars over the years and have multiple sites and it's all going to pay off in the long run, then investing in this sort of stuff is no different to me than investing in getting your legal documents put together or investing in uh, having your operations manual written. Because you can have the best operations manuals and the best legal documents, but if you put all the sites into crappy locations or you haven't thought this out, you'll be broke quicker doing that than, uh, than any other problem. So as much as I hear sob stories about, oh, it's tough getting, into go getting going and uh, it's tough getting business, how much you've got to invest, I can only say to people, it's their choice. They choose to go into the business. So please just think of this as a very, very important part of the investment that they need to make. Uh, probably almost more ahead of you know, even the lawyers and the operations manuals because you can have the best operations manuals and the best legal agreements but you put your sites into crap locations and don't have some sort of strategic network planning. You're gone anyway. Now, the other thing that, that I um, that I I'm always impressed with is you you prepare a fairly basic package that's available for people for each territory so that they can use it as part of their sales material when they're speaking to prospective franchisees. Yeah, absolutely. What we do a thing called we call it our data pack. The data pack can be made up of basically whatever you want. You can have a map that shows whatever area you want to describe. You can have a demographic summary that talks about all the demographics of the area. You can have a business demographic summary which talks about how many businesses are in the area. And it can have a business hit list that says, well, here's the first 400 phone calls I need to make to tell people I'm there. Now, a data pack, if you've got territories, i.e. ANZ and Mortgage Choice, people like that, they have one done for every territory. And that really helps them sell the territory because they walk up to some person and they say, look, this is the area we think you should take. The first question is why and then they can go, well, here's all the material you want to know. We also do those for the one like the client I was talking about with the childcare centres and we actually do exactly the same at about a five kilometre radius. So they are able to stand in front of somebody and say, this is the area we want. Now, we don't need to know exactly where the site is. We might have identified a two-kilometre radius and said, look, somewhere in there should be pretty great. And if they just then pull a 5K radius around it, then they can talk immediately and say, well, within 5Ks of whatever suburb we're picking, Hawthorne like we are, where I'm sitting now, within 5K of Hawthorne there's X number of kids, their average income is this. And, and it all makes things look very, very positive. So they, when they went up to the last franchise show, actually had data packs done for those areas so they could talk to people and say, oh, you live in Castle Hill. Well, we're thinking of Castle Hill and here's all the information about it. So those are on, they're available on call. Uh, as I said, some people like the banks and people get the whole lot done in one week. Other groups can say, well, look, we'll just get a couple done because they're where we're really wanting to sell the first couple of franchises. And then they're basically available at probably 24-hour notice. So other clients of ours, like a client's tagging service, all been done over a lot, long time, suddenly they'll get a proponent that's really interested in an area, bang, we get a phone call, can we get a data pack for this area, they'll have it within 24 hours, 
It's got the map, it's got how many businesses, all the business to business data they want, even a list of potential customers. So they're walking in looking far, far smarter than they would if they just said, oh, oh you want to go into wherever and uh, oh yeah, somebody drew a map and we really don't know what's in there. So that's something we've pushed for a long, long time. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, that, that's why I, I make the point, and I think it it's, must be clear to people listening now that when you're looking at putting your team together, or if you've got a team, and maybe it's your franchise lawyer and you have a franchise consultant or a, a mentor, uh, you've got your accountant, all specialists that you've got there on your little, uh, in your little group to, of your team to help you with your business, having someone looking after this area of your network planning is equally as important because the, Im the impact of it is actually, as Peter's saying, probably more significant than any of the others. Um, so, uh, and in the same way, in the way that we build a business plan these days, you may do a one, three, five year plan and maybe look at a, a long shot ten year. It's the same looking at these sites and have your, uh, Peter uses the term tiers, I think, where you say, okay, this is your this is your, these are your first tier sites, these are the ones that are the prime ones, the, 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 the plums if you like, then there's the second tier sites and so forth, so that looking over a period of time, you've got that controlled growth. So look, I, I, I think we've picked up some great information there, and I, I'd make particular reference to the, the, the need and, and otherwise of territories, so the preferred marketing area is one that I think is very relevant for lots of people, and exclusive zones. And, you look into this as well. If you're business to business, some of these some of these things apply a little bit differently. So you've got a different exercise, but nevertheless, you still got to go through it. Um, well, the data is exactly the same. The business to business data is an ABS database, and we actually license that off to people like Officeworks because they want to know how many businesses there are in an area. Whereas, obviously, if you're business to consumer, you're more about how many households. The other thing I just want to touch on while I'm on this. Uh, in strategic network planning, we also do a product called Strip Locator. And in many cases, you decide you want to go into a shopping strip, or let's say that is the idea of where you're heading. What you find is when you're talking about shopping centres, it's very easy. Well, not very easy, but simple enough. You can go and find out the gross leasable area, retail, the moving annual turnover, how many pedestrians. It's all available through the property council. When you start talking about shopping strips, and we know there are quite a few people now that are literally maybe in quite a lot of shopping centres and they've had a bit of a gutful of that and they're wanting to come into shopping strips a bit more, then what Strip Locator does is it allows you to define what you're looking for, might be big strips in areas with lots of young kids and medium socioeconomic. So what it does is it actually creates a, a priority order, again a tier one, tier two and tier three, so you can say to your property people, these are the shopping strips I want you to walk down first. The second group might be the top 20%. The next 20%, if somebody calls you from one of those areas, by all means, take the call and go and have a look. And then maybe if you're early in your development, you say the bottom 60%, if I find you going there, I'm going to fire you. If you can't follow instructions, I've told you I don't want to go into those strips. And again, it has a very similar effect of strategic network planning to be able to uh, look at the strips in a sort of order the same way as you do any other sort of site. So an example of that is we just did uh, Muffin Break, for example, with Strip Locator. So they now have some sort of priority order to start saying, well, if we're going to move into strips, where do we sort of look first, second and third? So 
Zip locator is something that very much uh, we're finding with people are using because it's one of the easiest ways to be able to compare strip A to strip B and even Australia-wide the same logic applies. So if I'm comparing King Street Newtown to Glenferry Road in Melbourne or uh, St Quentin Street in Claremont in Perth, the same logic can apply to compare apples to apples. Excellent. So I think that's also very much in strategic network planning. Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Look, we've, I, I really appreciate the gems you shared with us here. Do you have any, a, a last piece of advice? Having said that, I probably drained you of, of, of all your uh, your advice. You've covered a lot of uh, information. Look, I, I can only do two things to say, just consider it an investment, not an expense, to get this sort of work done. And uh, I think you will be happy if I say our website, spectrumanalysis.com.au, has quite a lot of material. You're all welcome to go and have a look at it as much as you want. I, yeah, I'll refer those addresses and how you can contact Peter in a moment. Um, so look, I, I hope everyone here has uh, had some some worthwhile answers to the questions they've got. If you've got any more, then um, what I'd uh, what I'd suggest you do um, is to um, is to either contact me or get in touch with Peter. Um, well, if people are welcome to ring me or uh, email me, you'll give yeah. us the details, I'm sure. For and uh, we also will have a stand at the National Franchising Convention. If your uh, listeners are heading up to the National Franchising Convention on the Gold Coast in October, uh, we will have a spectrum analysis stand at that as well. Okay, for those of you who may be watching this, um, because it is recorded in a, a webinar format as well, I've just put a screen up and I'll just read through it because uh, these are the contact details you may like to, uh, to take a note of. So I'll take it at a slow rate if you are taking notes. So it's Spectrum Analysis, and as Peter said, their website is spectrumanalysis.com.au. Um, and if you want to refer to the particular information that Peter's been talking through with me today, um, if you go to his articles section, you'll find Peter is one of the most prolific producers of information and the most generous that I've seen. I have to say that without any fear of contradiction. There's so much invaluable information there. And I suggest probably before you speak to Peter, it's worth having a look because you'll start to get a good grounding. So if you go to the articles tab and then you'll see one of the, one of the articles there is strategic network planning. Um, I'll just share the phone number of um, Spectrum Analysis in Melbourne. So it's for anyone overseas, 613 That's 0398826488. Or you can contact Peter with an email. And his email address is straightforward. It's Peter B, B for Buckingham, at spectrumanalysis.com.au. So I certainly have learned a lot this morning, and I hope the listeners have, it's certainly information that's worth worth using sensibly. Um, so what I'd like to do is just thank Peter very heartily for his contribution, for his time today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you all. I hope you will enjoy listening to this particular teleconference from How to Franchise Simply.